What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash baldhead bible, and there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. Moses stood there, staring up at the mountain. The top of the mountain was covered in a thick cloud of darkness. There was lightning and thunder, and and did I say the mountain was covered in darkness? But this wasn't just any type of darkness. The Bible says this was a darkness that was really dark, black like coffee. The type of darkness the people of Israel experienced during the plague of darkness back in Egypt. Remember that? You know, where you can't see your hand inches in front of your face when the lights go out and you're in the middle of a cave and you can't see anything. The type of darkness that you feel draped around you, hanging on you like an oppressive weight. And as Moses stood there, I wonder if he thought, I have to enter that. I have to go into that darkness. But out of that darkness came a loud thunder and flashes of lightning that, apart from the darkness, were frightening in their own right. And then there was the earthquake, the constant shaking of the earth, and then the constant blaring of that sound that sounded like a ram's horn. And it got louder and louder and louder. And so you have the darkness and the lightning and the thunder and the ram's heart getting louder and louder. And there stood Moses at the bottom of a mountain called Mount Sinai. And he's looking up into this impenetrable darkness, standing on a quaking earth, constant peals of thunder and flashes of lightning, and the constant growing blare of a ram's horn. And Moses was supposed to walk up into all of that? I think Moses looked back at the people of Israel who were standing about, imagine, 10 to 20 feet behind him. And I wonder if he thought, why me? <laughs> why why am I the one chosen to walk up this mountain and meet our great God Yahweh? 
Why did he choose me? We come to a monumental part in the story of Israel's wilderness wanderings. The moment when Israel receives the law, when they make a covenant with Yahweh to be his people, to become Yahweh's kingdom of priests. Israel has spent the last three months following the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And the Bible says it has been three months since they left Egypt and now they are camped in front of Mount Sinai. Now here's the thing. We have no clue where that mountain is. Some people believe it is between the Gulf of Suez and the Gulf of Aqaba, known today as the Sinai Peninsula. Others feel it is in the desert nearer where Saudi Arabia is today, and others feel it is much further north, much nearer the Dead Sea, and closer to the bottom border of Israel. And even if it is on the Sinai Peninsula, we really have no clue as to where in that peninsula this mountain is. It'd be so cool to know, though, wouldn't it? It would be so cool to know where this specific mountain was, wouldn't it? To know that God came down and met with his people on that mountain. But sadly, and maybe goodly, I don't know, but sadly, we don't know where it is. But we do know God met with his people, and God met with Moses, and God came down to his people on a mountain. And we do know it took Israel three months to get there. And we do know God commanded the people of Israel to camp in front of this mountain. And so they did. Well, God then called for Moses to come to the top of the mountain, which Moses did. Now, this is his first trip up the mountain. Moses will go up and down the mountain seven to eight times, depending on how you count it. By the end of this whole encounter, I imagine Moses will become quite the hiker, quite the climber. When Moses goes to meet Yahweh at the top of the mountain, it's quite the hike. And I can imagine the first time he goes up there, it must have been a long walk, climbing over. There probably wasn't a trail. He finally gets to the top. God has called him here. Well, God then tells Moses some important information. He tells Moses that he wants the people of Israel to be his people. He refers to the fact that he carried them on eagles' wings. And when he uses that phrase, he's referencing Deuteronomy 32. And that whole passage is about the fact that Yahweh had chosen Israel as his special people, his special possession out of all the nations of the earth. They would be his treasured possession. Yahweh goes on to use a phrase that only shows up this one time in all the Old Testament. Yahweh says he wants Israel to be, and here's the phrase, his kingdom of priests, a nation wholly devoted to him. Now, later on, writing in the New Testament, the Apostle Peter borrows this idea in 1 Peter 2.9, when he says that Christians today are to Jesus, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are people dedicated to Jesus, dedicated to the Lord. Well, Yahweh gave the people of Israel the chance to be his treasured possession, his kingdom of priests, wholly consecrated to him, if they would carefully listen to him, and keep 
his covenant. So that's what God tells Moses. And well, Moses descends the mountain, again, quite the hike, and he gathers the elders of Israel and Moses brought essentially God's offer to them. God basically said, I love you and I will bless you and make you a chosen nation and I will set you apart to me. All you have to do is obey my commands. Obey my word. Will you do it? Will you do it? And I think that's basically how Moses offered the covenant that Yahweh wanted to make with Israel. Will you do it? He'll bless us. He'll bless us. He'll bless us. If we obey his commands, will we do it? Well, the people, the Bible says, in response, the people say, Yes, we will do it. I mean, who would turn down an offer like that to be the special chosen possession of the mightiest God in the universe? Who would turn that offer down? Well, the people didn't. And Moses goes back up the mountain. Again, not an easy hike. This is the second time. And he goes back up the mountain and tells Yahweh the people's response. An affirmative. They accept the offer. They will be Yahweh's chosen people. Yes! Well, then God then tells Moses that he's coming back. And he will descend upon the mountain in three days. And when he does, he's going to descend upon the mountain in the form of a dark, thick cloud so that the people will hear him when he speaks with Moses. And the people will remember that thick cloud and the sound of Yahweh speaking, which will sound like thunder, by the way. And they will remember that Moses spoke with God on that mountain so that whenever Moses speaks, they'll know that Moses is speaking for God because Moses spoke to God and God answered Moses on that mountain. That'll be great. But then Yahweh gives Moses a warning. He tells him to put up a boundary around the mountain, to not let the people of Israel touch the mountain. It's a holy mountain set apart for him. And the Lord can't allow sin in his presence, and therefore he can't let the average person from Israel come into his presence. He can't even let them touch the mountain. If they touch the mountain while God has descended upon it, Moses is required to put that person to death, to kill them. And that goes for animals as well. And he's supposed to kill them with an arrow or by stoning. I mean, this is a dangerous thing. This is important. They can't touch the mountain or they will die. So Moses, put up a boundary, God tells him. Put up a boundary around the mountain to keep people and animals away from the base of the mountain. The only one who is able to touch the mountain is Moses. Everyone else who touches the mountain will die. Now, I don't know what you think, but wow, that seems pretty harsh. But you know, instead you should see this as a mercy. I think, a mercy from God. He wanted to save the people from being killed. The Bible says that no one can see God and live. And and I think Yahweh also knows that no one can even touch the mountain God is on and live. 
And so as a precaution, he tells Moses to establish this harsh rule because probably if they touched the mountain, they would have died anyway. God also tells Moses to make sure the people take showers and bathe and also to wash their clothes, to completely wash and cleanse themselves, to make themselves ready in the next three days to meet God. And so Moses goes down the mountain for the second time. And he tells the people all that God had told him. He then establishes a boundary around the mountain. Now, I have no clue how wide a boundary Moses established. Five feet? Ten feet? Me, I would have made it at least a mile. Way back from the base of the mountain. He then told the people to wash their clothes, to take baths, and to not have sex with their wives. Moses wanted the people to concentrate and dedicate themselves to preparing to meet the God of the universe. The God who had told Moses earlier up the mountain that the whole earth was his. This powerful, majestic, awesome God they were about to meet. And they had better be ready. And so, Moses sets the boundaries. He warned the people that they would be stoned or shot with an arrow if they touched the mountain. He literally put the fear of God in them. You know, I wonder what the boundary looked like, you know. Little orange cones with blinking lights. A big yellow chalk line. You know, did he rope it all off? I don't know, but either way, the people knew they could not come near the base of the mountain. They would have clearly seen the boundary and stopped right there, or at least they should have. And then all the laundromats and all the washing machines would have been full of clothes, and the showers on full blasts, and the bathtubs full. The God of all time is about to come, and the people of Israel had better be clean and ready to meet him. So then, the third day comes. And I wondered, did it start out as a sunny day? I wonder if the average Israelite woke up and started just going about his usual day, taking his dog for a walk, grazing his sheep, you know, just miles away from the base of Mount Sinai. And then God arrives. And I wonder if a thick darkness was seen in the distance, you know, a tiny black dot that got bigger and bigger or a small dark cloud that got bigger and bigger or did this massive cloud of darkness begin to descend all the way up from the sky and they saw it and it just came all the way down the people got to see all of that or did the people wake up on the third day and boom there it was the thick, dark cloud descended already upon the mountain. I don't know. All it says in the Bible is that there was thunder and lightning, a thick cloud on the mountain, and a very loud blast from a ram's horn so that all the people in the camp shuddered. It was frightening. It was scary. Maybe the people woke up on the third day to this awesome sight and sound. Maybe the ram's horn woke them all up like an alarm because God had showed up and they'd better be aware of it. I don't know. It does say that when the people heard the ram's horn that they shuddered in fear. 
and that Moses led the people out of the camp and he led them to stand in front of the mountain to see their God. And what the people would have seen is what I mentioned earlier, a thick, dark cloud, smoke rising up from the cloud full of fire, lightning flashing forth and thunder bellowing and that ram's horn. The sound of a ram's horn, the Bible says, slowly getting louder and louder throughout the day. The Bible says the smoke going up made the mountain look like a furnace and the whole mountain shook violently. And then Moses spoke to God. The Bible does not say what Moses says, but it says Moses spoke to God. And I can imagine he spoke to God from the base of that mountain. I don't know if he said, hello, or if he said, welcome, wonderful, awesome Yahweh. All I know is he spoke to God. And then the Bible says that God answered in thunder. Again, I wonder what Moses asked him. You know, did he ask him a question? Did he declare Yahweh's majesty? Did he ask him, why a ram's horn? I, I don't know. But the sound of God answering, it sounded like thunder. Or maybe it was thunder. All I know is by this time, my knees would have been quaking if I was Moses. In fact, the people tell Moses that this whole scene is so frightening. The Bible says the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the ram's horn, and the mountain surrounded by smoke. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, they said to Moses, but don't let God speak to us or we will die. Exodus 20, 18 through 19. The power they saw on the mountain filled them with awe and terror. And yet it was this very terror that Moses had to face and enter. And the people, it says in Exodus 20, verse 21, and the people remained standing at a distance as Moses approached the total darkness where God was. Can you imagine having to walk up a mountain that was covered in total darkness? This is his third time up, by the way. And he has to walk into a mountain that before he could see, now it's covered in total darkness. Not only that, it had fire and lightning and billowing smoke that made it seem like a burning furnace. But Moses did walk into this terror. In fact, he ends up entering twice, going up, down, up, down. The first time God told him to go back down and ask Aaron, his brother, to come back up with him and to warn the people to not break through and touch the mountain. So Moses goes back down in the middle of all this thunder and lightning and darkness and billowing smoke and furnace-like feel, right? He goes back down and he warns the people he grabs his brother, Aaron, and then he hikes back up that scary mountain. What gave him the courage to enter this frightening situation? 
What gave him the courage to enter total darkness and fire and smoke and noise like a ram's horn? I mean, this is scary stuff. I get scared in the dark, and I've never been in darkness the kind Moses experienced that day. I think this was incredible courage by Moses. But I also think Moses knew something that the people didn't. I think Moses knew that the God he served was kind and merciful and loving. And as he later told the people of Israel in Exodus 20, verse 20, he tells them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of this God. Moses later writes Psalm 90, and in that psalm, he talks about the love of God. It says in Psalm 90, verse 14, Satisfy us in the morning with your faithful love so that we may shout with joy and be glad all our days. I think Moses knew the God behind this darkness and this lightning and this thunder was a God of love. And this was just a deep, deep expression of the power and majesty that God had. See, Moses, he first met Yahweh at the burning bush. And he walked with God and saw him do wonder after wonder on behalf of his people. And I think Moses knew at the heart of it all that Yahweh was a loving, merciful God. I think that's what made him walk into that pitch black darkness because he was beginning to see the heart of the God he served. And it was wonderful and it was awesome, but it was also frightening and ever so holy and righteous. So Moses goes back with Aaron and they both walk slowly into the darkness and then, well, what happened next will change the course of Israel's history and ultimately world history. What happens next? What God gives Moses changes the course of history forever. But at the end of the day, this is a pivotal moment. This is an amazing moment for the people of Israel they make a covenant with the God of the universe who says, I've chosen you. You will be my people and I will be your God. Send Moses up to talk to me because what I'm about to give him will be the most amazing thing you've ever had. If you want to find out about what that is, read Exodus 20 or come back next week. And we'll tell you some more of the exciting story of Moses and the people of Israel and the years of wandering in the wilderness. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.